blocking. Deep pattern downfield. Touchdown, Miami. What a throw. Devontae Parker. Holy smokes. What a drive. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, OTAs are officially underway. We have guys running around in shorts and hats and hoodies, throwing passes, catching passes, and working on some sleds and conditioning and all that fun stuff. We also had two days of coaches' media availability, all the offensive and defensive assistants, as well as special teams coach Danny Crossman. We're going to hear some individual evaluations, some scheme talk, the collaboration of the coaches, what the offense and defense could possibly look like. A busy, busy edition here of the Drive Time Podcast. Let's get right to it. That's another Miami Dolphins. So we're going to play some sound for you guys and recap the media availabilities as a whole. And I'm not going to play every single soundbite that I found interesting. Again, if you guys want to see these interviews in their entirety, go ahead and check out the Miami Dolphins YouTube page. Subscribe, like our videos once you are there. But we had some interesting ideas and concepts and general philosophies from a lot of these assistant coaches and coordinators and Eric Studisville and George Godsey is the co-OCs of Miami here. Charlie Fry, the new quarterbacks coach in charge of Tua Tungavailoa, Jacoby Brissett, and Reed Sinet in that quarterback room. Plenty to get to here, but I want to first start with some Let's call them contextual clues for possibly what the offense might look like uh, this season for Miami. And you might hear Caroline throughout this podcast because she's homesick and we have to get the podcast recorded, but here she is kind of tripping it up in the background. So I do apologize for that ahead of time. But we heard all of the Dolphins, I guess, offensive staff speak in a collaborative manner in terms of they're going to rely on multiple guys to bring multiple experiences to the table and to formulate what they call the Miami Dolphins offense. Now, Coach Studisville was the one that really touched on this generally, saying that it's not my plays, it's not Coach Godsey's plays, it's not you know Charlie Fry's input individually, it's the collective, it's the Miami Dolphins playbook, and there's no ego or axe to grind And that was something that I found interesting because a conversation I was having with a couple of buddies I text with about the Miami Dolphins, uh, some close personal friends of mine, uh, just in regards to the idea of this unique situation with co-OCs. And I think the biggest thing you look at here is the lack of ego driving the the car, so to speak. And, you know, coaches... I think you have to be a little bit egotistical, at least at the beginning, to crack into this industry because it's such a tough industry and such a competitive industry that only has so many jobs and it's high stakes all the time. And I think you have to believe in yourself a certain amount to be able to get into that position. I certainly feel that way about my own podcasting and writing skills to get into this position. I think that's kind of what you have to do to get to a position towards the top of your respective industry. So that's something you just kind of expect in the profession. But with these guys, it's all about the collaborative. It's all about doing what they can do to help the team win and coming up with the best formula possible together. And you begin to understand how many different experiences and knowledge levels there are of different types of offense here on the staff, starting with, for instance, Charlie Fry, whose Central Michigan Chippewas were one of the best rushing football teams in college football last year. He also came from a West Coast principle-based offense in Seattle when he played quarterback, and he spoke about how much he learned in the fire for coaching coming from Mike Holmgren, Matt Hasselbeck, 
I'm forgetting the names. We'll come back to that later and talk about that because I want to cover it specifically. But you get the sense that that West Coast principal offense with the Sean Alexander running game and the quick hitting game of Matt Hasselbeck in the passing game, he learned a lot from those guys. Coach Godsey being part of multiple different types of packages, whether it's the two tight end sets that he was part of in New England back in his time there, running the offense with Houston with some tempo a couple years back. He's been around the block. He's seen multiple different offensive schemes. And then you have Coach Studisville, who's the same way with regards to, you know, he came from the Shanahan scheme originally with some outside zone. We've seen him run gap scheme. We've seen him run plenty of trickeration with misdirection and jet sweeps and things of that nature. So you have this beautiful mix and match of, different ideas and different backgrounds. And that's what Coach Flores does to round out his staff, right? Because we heard about Coach Kirk Kuntz last season, who Coach joked about meeting him in a grocery store, or maybe it was a factual thing about meeting him in a grocery store and how it doesn't matter where you meet the coach as long as you respect what he brings to the table and he can bring you something to the table. And Coach Kuntz last year was the director of the third down meetings, which the number one third down defense in the NFL. So the nice break from the norm where, again, kind of back to the idea that there are some elements that come with coaching. Maybe you have that bit of an ego. And in this industry, there is a lot of hiring who you know, but that's not what Coach Flores does. He's going to go out and find the best guys for the job. And maybe it takes a, a couple of go arounds to get the staff he wants. But I feel like right now he's got a great mix match of multiple different backgrounds and knowledge bases and collaboration and lack of ego to come together, put this thing together and create a culture here in Miami of everybody works towards one common goal and rows the boat in one direction. We're going to hear a great quote from coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre, new offensive line coach on just that, the Miami culture. Before we get to the coaches medias here real quick, one more thing I want to touch on. Again, I think you're going to have a good mixture of vertical and horizontal stretching in this offense, and that's part of the spacing created by the run-pass option. Now, the run-pass option does a couple of things. It creates false steps from the linebackers. It also allows the quarterback to just play by the numbers. It, it, it helps Tua pre-snap easier in terms of identifying what the defense is going to call because if you have seven guys in the box, okay, we're going to go ahead and run the football. An eight guy comes down, we're going to go ahead and throw it in behind the space that he vacated. It makes the pre-snap job of the quarterback easier that way. And when you can successfully run the ball, gosh, it becomes awfully difficult to defend both that and the passing game. And that kind of ties into this next element of the offense with the vertical and horizontal stretch because the RPO is, you know, a faction of eye candy. And once you get speed and you add that into the into the equation as far as offense goes, with throwing those slants in behind, throwing vertical routes down the field, drag routes that stretch the defense horizontally, jet sweep motion, you put Jalen Waddle or Will Fuller or whoever it might be, you put them in the backfield and you just change what the eyes and the feet of the second level of the defense are doing, and that creates space. Obviously, the speed down the field creates space. It creates matchups for you where the defense has to be aware of how the heck are we going to cover Waddle? How the heck are we going to cover Fuller? And if one of your best corners happens to be your speed and your big body, then who do you put on Devontae Parker? Who do you put on Preston Williams? What's the matchup for Mike Gesicki? It just gives you matchup problems all over the field. So we'll get a better look in training camp and preseason and once week one and the season rolls around of what this offense could look like. But one thing I do know that I love on the offensive side of the football is, especially the skill positions at receiver, for instance, I think you're too deep 
in every skill set, not just every position, your X, Y, your Z. I talked about this before. Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle, ideally you have them on the field together, but if something were to happen to one of them, the other one kind of can play a similar type of role in that satellite formation about or move about the formation and motion and line up in different positions and give you that speed element. You've also got Jakeem Grant and Robert Foster who bring the speed as well as some of the eye candy with the horizontal motion. Devontae Parker and Preston Williams both have really strong hands and possession receivers that can pluck the football away from their body and shield guys off and make catches in the red zone, on the perimeter, on the end line, in the middle of the field on those slant routes. And similar to Mike Gesicki in that way too, he kind of fits that mold of those types of receivers. You have the short area shifty guys like Albert Wilson and Lynn Bowden. Both those guys are really good in that area, too deep in that regard. So I think that you just have a kind of almost an embarrassment of riches at Tungavailoa's disposal right now. And you're so deep and that makes you somewhat impervious to a significant setback if you were to lose a body or two to injury. And that's kind of what I look at with the entire roster. Like where is the scenario on this roster where you wind up with a street free agent or a practice squad guy or an undrafted free agent who has to get plugged in right away. Cause you look around the league and that happens almost every single year. Go back to the Cowboys last year. I think it was like week two or week three. They were throwing undrafted rookies onto the offensive line because Tyron Smith was injured. Zach Martin was injured. Travis Frederick, obviously out. They've got so many guys down. Uh, Lyle Collins was down. They had to replace these guys with undrafted free agents and, and street free agents. And I just don't see the scenario where that happens this year. Obviously, knock on wood for an insane injury bug, but nine deep on the offensive line, maybe nine deep at receiver. You've got a good committee of five running backs there. You're now three, four, five deep at tight end as well. I just look at this team, this coaching staff, this roster, this offense, this defense, special teams. They've done so much in three years to make sure it was good at the top and that it was deep and that they were impervious to the attrition that comes up throughout the course of a football season. All right, let's go ahead and spin this thing forward now to the offensive coaches for the Miami Dolphins. Again, we're going to play the highlights and break this thing down, talk about what those answers mean, starting here with Coach Godsey, who, of course, is the new offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator. He still runs the tight end room as well. And one of my favorite things about Coach is that he's not going to shy away from getting into the nitty-gritty details as far as X's and O's go. Like, he'll drop some terminology on you that if you don't know the game, if you don't study up on the stuff, you're not going to know what he's talking about. Fortunately, we think we do a pretty good job of that here on the Drive Time Podcast. So let's go ahead and play one audio clip here. We've got so much to get to, so we're going to play a couple of clips for you guys and then cover this with me telling you about my take on the media availability. Let's go ahead and get to this clip here from Coach when I asked him about the speed element that Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller bring to the offense and how that can have a ripple effect, like Coach Flores has said, on the rest of the offensive attack. Well, I think anytime you can stretch the field vertically, um, you know, it puts the defense in a bind. Um, you know, I have some experience with Will, and we're catching Jalen up to, um, you know, the speed here of NFL football. So, um, that that's been that's been a, a fun part of this, uh, especially with with Jalen from a rookie standpoint. So, but they have uh, you know a little bit of a different skill set, although that they both um, they have very good speed. So, <clears throat> you know that'll help us. Like I said, on, on pushing the ball downfield, but they're also good route runners underneath. So, um, you know, being able to add all those elements are important to both of those players. 
adding all those elements. Kind of a theme here of this press conference for Coach Godsey is he covered multiple things from the jump for Tua Tungavailoa in year two. And he talked about what to expect from Tua in year two. And in terms of what he wanted to see from Tua, he said, retain a lot of the information, whether it's defensive structure, IDs, front coverage, all that kind of stuff that a quarterback has to go through as far as his checklist pre-snap to get himself in the best position post-snap. And I think that's where you see the shape of this offense kind of come together. As he touched on this with the running back room, the quarterback, the receiver room, the offensive line, about how these are not just individual parts, but rather units that can fulfill the number of jobs, the number of tasks that have to be accomplished every single week. And those change from week to week based upon your opponent. I might have to have my center go reach a three technique against this team. And the next week, I might have to have you just stand straight in the middle of the offensive line and hold up against bull rushes all game. And that's why I think the Dolphins are trying to build here in Miami is the ability to be multiple in that way. I love the way Coach Godsey talked about him going through different quarterbacks and different tempos and different variances as far as the pace of play with which offenses play. I touched on earlier in the podcast about him going back to his days with the Patriots or even with the Texans when he was the offensive coordinator and he mentioned going through those multiple quarterbacks and multiple paces of play and how the Dolphins can utilize that to their advantage with all the experience they have on the offensive staff to pair with the fact that the players themselves are versatile because if you don't have both of those elements, again, that phrasing, multiple elements are important to these players, to this unit, to this team, to this offense. Talking about getting all of those elements to come together, that's how you get your weekly adaptable multiple offense that these coaches want to run. And the offense these coaches want to run is one, like we talked about, of multiplicity, but also scoring points and having an evolving offense that is never... It's never static in the sense that the playbook is done. And Coach Studisville talked about how it's an evolving document, the playbook. Let's go ahead and play his audio from a question when he was asked, what do you want the Dolphins offense to be? Is there anything where you might put a ask to put a play in and the coaches say, no, we're not going with that, and you feel personally slighted? Here's Coach talking about the collaboration and the offensive identity he wants this Dolphins team to have. Everything that's in there is ours. So there's not that what did you want to get in or what you didn't get in. We all have input, we all have suggestions on things, and we all have experiences. All Every one of us as coaches has brought something from a different place, and hopefully we try to use that as a collaborative effort to bring as much as we can into this to be diverse so that all our experiences bring something to the offense. Um, so there's nothing in there that I'm uncomfortable with or that I don't like, and the things that aren't in, you know, I, the, it, it's not so much about plays, it's execution. We there's a lot of good plays out there and they're not very good plays if you don't execute well. So if we execute well, you can run simple plays and be really, really good at. So I I think that's, you know, I don't worry about plays that we don't have then. Um, As far as the playbook and and how it's taken, it's been a it's been a long process. I don't think the playbook is done. I don't think it's ever done. We're always looking and studying. And if we can get something from somewhere else that we think is good for us, then we're going to continue to add and evolve now. Maybe some things don't aren't as highly repped and, and practiced or don't have as great a frequency, but I, I I don't ever see a playbook as a as a done. It's a to me a playbook is a living document. It continues to grow and evolve based on the players you get and what they can do. Because in there we want to find out what our players do best, and then those are the plays that we want to use. 
So I don't know about you guys, and this obviously is different for professional football compared to high school and junior college athletics and the extent of my own athletic prowess, but I've played for coaches before where that was not the case, where we're going to do this, we're going to do A, B, and C, and if you don't like it, if you don't fit into it, well, you can get out. And I'm not saying that was exactly how it was, but they did in terms of being that stubborn, hard-headed idea. That was a thing. And so to hear coach talk about the living document of a playbook. And if something elsewhere works, if you find something like, remember the, the wildcat, for instance, revolutionized the game of football and every other coaching staff started putting it into their offensive, or at least finding a way to prepare for it defensively. So you can stop it on the other end. That's a great thing to hear about being receptive to multiple ideas. And that goes back to the idea of having a collaborative coaching staff that can put this thing together. Coach also talk about continuity and this question of does you Having you and Coach Godsey coming back this year give you a sense of continuity for Tua Tungavailoa, and he just said that continuity has to be developed, and it doesn't mean they're just going to take what they did last year and bring it forward to this year. Every year is a restart in the National Football League, and that's why you see so many teams go from you know a 12-win season down to a 7-win season, or a 5-win season up to a 10-win season. Things change drastically, and you can't just bank on your laurels from the previous year. And the Dolphins are not going to do that. You're going to hear that theme throughout the course of these press availabilities. But he talked about players and their ability to demonstrate their, I guess, proof of concept that they're developing, not just, you know, from rookie year to year two, but the constant development of their game. They all love to say, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. But he talked about Miles Gaskin, who works at it, who wants to be a good player. And he thinks that gives him a chance to really go out there and compete on all three downs and be that type of back that you look for in the modern game. He also was asked about terminology and how the offense can be different from a year ago in terms of the the language you learn. And coach basically just said it's a it's interesting to to think about the idea of using language as a parallel to football terminology because they have to be able to speak multiple languages when it comes to football. And their language, he says, for coaches is football and how everything can be adaptable based upon coverages from the spot of the football, from the front you might see, whatever it might be, there are multiple variations based off of each and every rep, and that's why experience can be so valuable. This is kind of me talking now. Experience can be so valuable with how much football coach students feel, how much football coach Godsey's seen, and for Brian Flores to elevate those guys and put people in leadership positions that do have that experience, that do have that communication skill to go ahead and get his message, not just to the defense, to a specific room, but the entire team as a whole. Coach also talked about the running back room as a committee and how to get those guys prepared, how Savant or how Miles Gaskin has a positive impact on Savant, Ahmed, and the rest of the running backs. He also talked about the matchup nature of the offense and how that is really the idea they're trying to get here to create and exploit matchups. And that was a question I had for him because you guys know how I feel about the addition of the players in those skill positions and how that can create mismatch opportunities on the other side of the ball. Highly recommend going out to the YouTube channel and checking out his interview. Very in-depth, very insightful. Let's go ahead and jump now to coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre and I love this quote here from coach let's go ahead and play the audio and give a hat tip to Kyle Krabs who asked this question from Locked On Dolphins does a great job with that podcast as well as the Dolphins Wire but Kyle asked a question about you know coach had kind of covered this idea that this this offensive line room is so hungry and so motivated and so driven and it's about a culture they've kind of established in that room and in the building in Miami in general and Kyle asked a great question about Based upon your playing experience, your coaching experience, can you kind of provide some perspective on how rare or unique it is to have a group that is as driven, as hungry as you mentioned? I was very fortunate in terms of playing. Like I was talking about, you know, I got to make sure I give the shout out to the guy who kind of helped groom me, you know, Tom Cable. 
and the whole line that we had in terms of how we started back when I played. And then even now where you see how important the communication and just the connectedness of the group is, not only off the field, but on the field, because they'll push each other in terms of a quizzing each other, asking those questions and understand like in the terms of O-line room and just room in general, I think any actually business where you can develop a culture where it's not just a, I'm at work and I'm leaving, but hey, who are you personally in your life and your family, how those things going is just, is going to pay off, you know, way more in the end, in terms of, you know, situation you guys go in, there's more that care. And that's why it's really cool being here, part of the culture, because I felt that when I got here with Coach Flo and the whole organization, and that needs to go through my room for sure, and that will go through the team. The reason I wanted to play that clip for you guys is going back to the high school basketball coach and my early references. That's a very real element of any professional setting is the culture you work within. And it's not just about nine to five, punch the clock, leave me alone. Don't talk to me after I'm off the clock. And, you know, it's so much easier to work in an environment where you can send a text to a superior and, and joke with them and maybe joke about their basketball team or their baseball team or send a gif that, you know, is meant to be humorous or funny. And it's not just, hey, here's where you messed up all the time. Here's where you got to get better. There's more of a relationship there opposed to a superior and an inferior and that type of, you know, talking down to people, especially in this position where these are grown men that make, you know, significant salaries and they've got their families and they're off the field stuff they take care of. And I think it's a great way to engage people, especially those young people. And it generates this level of want to like coach covered on the first question where he said that guys are sending him texts on the weekends or asking questions. And you heard him talk about them quizzing each other at the facility when they're maybe at the lunch table in the lunchroom or whatever it might be. They're engaged. They're locked in. They're looking at football all the time. And that's what you get from this. And, you know, you might get tired of hearing it from coach, but it's consistent. It's what he believes. And that's why it is repetitive, tough, smart, physical discipline, team first. They care about football. It's important to him. When you have three years of going after players with that mindset, with that mold, this is the result. This is the type of character, type of culture you cultivate by going after players like that. And it kind of reminds me of like a college coach who, you know, oh, first year and didn't have his players. Now you're into, you know, the third season here. And I guess Coach Flores is initial freshman class, quote unquote, as I'm using air quotes, is going into their junior season. And he talks about the makeup of the football team being the draft class of 2020 of 2021 and man I'm excited to see where it goes from here but as far as the culture and personality fits I think that's awesome to hear him talk about those guys he also reiterated what Austin Jackson said about discipline tough physical and nasty and detailed and how you can't just show up and be nasty on Sundays you have to have a mentality in the way you work out the way you prepare the way you attack every single thing you do he also talked about coaching you know centers and one of the things this past season that we looked at with Matt Skura was he had some snap issues in Baltimore and he talked about getting those things drilled down about his experience playing the, the position of center and working on those snaps so it's good to see that they're in good hands with regards to a player that or a coach rather that has played that has that experience that knows about the camaraderie of the room and I just think it's a great balance they have with coach Lem and the rest of the staff in terms of ex-players ex you know coaches of college whatever it might be the backgrounds are so diverse and he really covered a bunch in this about how this offensive line has been hungry driven and absorbed so much information going from that rookie season with all those young guys Austin Jackson Rob Hunt as well as Solomon Kinley and now you've got Liam Eichenberg who's into the room as well coach also talked about his technique and how polished he is in that area and how excited they are for him he didn't really cover any positions we're not going to talk about that so if you're looking for any of these coaches and Coach Lem included to come out and give you a starting lineup or an expectation of where guys are going to play, 
just don't expect that, except for maybe on the defensive backfield where we're going to have one of those uh, contextual clues coming up here in just one second. Let's go ahead and pick this back up with some audio from new Dolphins quarterbacks coach, Charlie Fry, who was asked about what he saw from Tua Tungavailoa when he coached him at the Elite 11 camp back in high school, post high school going into college, and then what he sees from Tua now in his pro career. Yeah, you know, you know, I worked at Elite 11 while I was coaching high school and, and you get to be around, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks, especially in that Elite 11 setting of, you know, the premier guys in, in high school and I thought he had a quick release and and he was accurate with the ball, but I just I loved his demeanor. I loved how he he, he interacted with uh, the guys on his team and and just you know how thirsty he was to learn. And then today I see a lot of the same things. You know, a, a more mature quarterback that's that's been through that's had experiences, but you know he still has the same quick release and and accuracy and the way he interacts with his teammates and. And those things, I think, are all, all all add value to play in this position. And a couple of the earlier themes we touched on with regards to the experience in the coaching staff, but also the multiple offenses or visions these guys have been a part of. He touched on that about how important it can be to change the picture for the defense, but still run a lot of the core plays offensively. And he says, you know, like Coach Tuesfield said, it's about guys who can go out there and execute but putting players in position that make it harder on the defense goes back to that word we've touched on plenty here on the podcast in conflict. So pretty good stuff here from Coach Charlie Fry. Let's go ahead and finish up with receivers coach Josh Grizzard before we get over to the defensive side of the football. And I asked Coach about something the offensive players and coaches talked about last year with regards to freedom in the route running for the receivers and having kind of you know, you don't have to have your steps down to this exact science, and I just want you to be where you have to be when you're supposed to be there. So I asked Coach if that was the same this year, if there was some changes, some carryover. Here's Coach. It was pretty good carryover when it comes to that and, and having the freedom to win the route, but uh, also, to your point, to having the same timing and, and tempo and sense of urgency that we know the time of the play, we got to get open, and it can't, can't take too long, but just really being on the same page with the, the quarterbacks and seeing it really through the same lens. Seeing it through the same lens, a good theme there for this Dolphins offense to get the same picture together. He also touched on the addition of Jalen Waddle and what he brings. Of course, he mentioned the competitive fire and the way he approaches the game. He also was asked about Will Fuller, and he said, yeah, the speed is the one thing that stands out, but we look at him as a smart guy as well. He's had some success in this league, and especially coming off last season, the speed is real. It should apply pressure to defenses, and with his ability to do that, it's just another weapon for Tua, and it's been fun working with him and getting to know him. He's a smart guy, and like a lot of these guys, he kind of embodies what we're trying to get done in terms of being smart and tough and loving to play the game. So you see the addition of those two guys right away kind of perk up for Josh uh, Grizzard here, Dolphins wide receivers coach. He also touched on getting back guys like Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson. And just going back to my original point about how deep this room is and how there could be some difficult decisions because so many guys are coming back. There's so many incumbents. There are players like a Preston Williams, for instance, who's coming back off the injury. And he has obviously big time playmaking ability, as we have seen. Coach touched on him and the trajectory on him as far as coming back from the injury. Say so he's in a good place with it, just being able to come back and try to get back on the field and try to get that thing moving in the right direction. But he's done everything from coming in, working hard with head athletic trainer Kyle Johnston and head strength and conditioning coach Dave Paloka. And those guys put himself in a position to really 
really get his part of the new offense and find his role. I'm excited for him as well, he says about Preston Williams. So again, all these offensive media availabilities available on YouTube right now. So are the defensive media availabilities, which we're going to start here with Coach Josh Boyer and a question I had for Coach regarding the quote that Andrew Van Ginkle gave us last week with regards to taking care of your own grass and kind of doing your job and being one part of 11 parts that creates the ultimate defense or offense or whatever it is in the football field that everybody has to mine their own grass. So I asked Coach Boyer, you know, that sounds great in theory, but how do you go about creating a process that cultivates that mentality in these players? Here's Coach talking about getting guys with that mindset. Well, I, again, I, I think it starts with uh, Flo and Chris. You know, the the guys that they bring in are, are you know, selfless guys. They put the team first. I, you know, and again, for me personally, I think when you sign up for football, you 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 automatically have signed up for something that's greater than yourself. And I think our players buy into that. I think they believe that. And, um, you know, and I think to get everything coordinated on the field, you, you got to have all 11 guys on the same page and, you know, a lot of times, you know, if an interception occurs, you know, there's probably something good that happened in the front. And if, you know, we get a sack or we get pressure, there's probably something good that happened in the back end. And if it's not coordinated, then, you know, that's usually when you see big or explosive plays, which obviously we're trying to uh, eliminate. And so Coach Boyer really went in depth on a lot of this stuff and gave great answers as he typically does. And he spoke a little bit more about how you identify players like that. And my follow-up question, as far as bringing in free agents or rookies through the draft and how you identify that process. And he said, to a degree, you can, you can flesh out, you know, how to find out what players' motivations are. And he said, it's a little bit unknown because they come from a previous team and you can't possibly know the day in and day out, but he knows that when they get guys in, they quickly can get that kind of culture developed and have those guys. And it's a big part of what Chris Greer and Brian Flores do to bring guys in. He also touched on Benardrick McKinney and Adam Butler. I love that he mentioned Butler can play from the nose all the way out to the five technique defensive end position. I love that he talked about Benardrick McKinney playing on ball, off ball, inside rush, outside rush. You're going to see him mugged up with Jerome Baker plenty in those A gaps or Elandon Roberts, whoever it might be. He's going to spend plenty of time in there. He can come down off the edge and play that Sam linebacker position and defend the run that way. But 260 pounds, he is big and he is explosive. And the same is true of Adam Butler. I've talked about those additions a lot on this podcast and how they both satisfy the first step uh, quickness and explosiveness off the line, but also the size to really, really kind of get the attention of the offensive line in those pass protection schemes. So I'm really pumped about those signings that you could hear Josh Boyer was as well on his media availability. And Coach also talked about getting off to a quicker start this season. The 1-3 and three start last year was something they want to improve on. He talked about defending the Buffalo Bills and just a couple of other topics with regards to how this defense wants to perform this year. Again, these videos are available in their entirety. Let's go ahead and move to the defensive line now with Austin Clark. And he touched on, speaking of fast starts, about how Raekwon Davis had the strong second half of the season last year, but getting out to a, a faster start for him was a point of contention. He talked about the wealth of experience that Adam Butler brings and the hardworking guy, good interior rush, versatility, and like I mentioned, that first step explosiveness. He played with Brennan Scarlett at California in college, and he talked about that a little bit. And a couple of Cal guys on the squad now with Patrick Laird, Brennan Scarlett, Austin Clark, and then obviously Joel Alexander, who he says considers himself Something of a Cal product. He's been around the Pac-12 a little bit, What was coaching at UW, and then, of course, wound up at Cal before going to the NFL. Hi, Caroline. 
And so there was some fun joking and back and forth there with Coach Austin Clark. We finished up by a question I had for him regarding Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, and Raekwon Davis. And one of the things I, I've noticed about those guys that I like from last season is you hear him talk, uh, Josh Boyer talk about Adam Butler's ability to play from the zero out to the five. That's the case with all three of these guys. And he said that that's a big, you know, a big asset for them in terms of being this matchup based defense that can really try to capitalize on the weaknesses of the opposing defenses and take advantage of the matchups they like. He also said, we want to stop the friggin' run this year. And truthfully, the word was not friggin'. So that was a big area of contention for Coach Clark as he talked about that and the idea of the Dolphins trying to make certain improvements and strides this season. Going on to the linebacker position now with Robbie Leonard, who moved to the outside linebacker coach position this season. And he talked a little bit about Jalen Phillips and the intangible stuff that he brings to the table as a person, his work ethic, his detail, and just his drive. He said he's been consistent day in and day out so far. And that's what the organization really looks for in addition to the obvious physical ability is what has first stood out to Coach Leonard with Jalen Phillips. And at that same linebacker position, although more on-ball, off-ball stuff, Coach Campanelli, who is one of the most entertaining pressers, especially when Safed Dean of the South Florida Sun Sentinel gets a question about Sunday night dinners, he spoke very glowingly about Jerome Baker and about the football IQ, the way he understands concepts, his level of study, the way he's improved his study habits, his diligence in the classroom, his technique on the field. He just spoke glowingly about Miami's fourth-year linebacker, who's been so integral and so vital both of the Dolphins really in the pre-Brian Flores era to now with Brian Flores in this multiple defense as a guy that plays so many different roles in such a variety of capacities with the run defense the blitzing the pass coverage he really does it all and coach Campanelli could not have been more glowing in his effusive praise of Jerome Baker let's go ahead and pick it up here with coach Camp though with one of the funnier parts of the presser uh, like I mentioned Safed Dean talked about coming over for dinner if you recall on the podcast last year in the media availabilities last year Campanelli is very much into the Italian food scene and I'm doing the, the two fingers on the thumb right now with the Italian gesture that you do very much coach camp he's great a lot of fun let's go ahead and play that audio coach camp my man what's going on we got we got a couple Sundays from now until the season where you can invite me over you haven't invited me over yet man I'm kind of hurt by that come on through bro Clark's over every Sunday I, you know me, me and this guy forget it. we eat Sunday dinner like we, we went Saturday the other day that was my daughter's birthday Saturday we've we, we, we been going crazy I got I need I need to go on a diet it's uh I, the season can't start fast enough <laughs> I got I got a bottle of Sangiovese I'm gonna bring over for you man I tell you you're doing it right over there you, you kidding me and there's only one way to follow that because how great was that? But we have to go to Coach GA, Gerald Alexander, defensive backs coach, because as you guys know from last year, this dude gives us the just really, really well thought out answers and really good insight into the game and into being a professional and to, into father. I mean, everything you want to talk about with GA, he gives you a great response. So I asked him off the top about something Coach Flores mentioned in Javon Holland's game in the communication and leadership and how important that was to the Dolphins and, and scouting him. And GA had this to say about Javon Holland with a mention about the free safety position. Really for any rookie, or especially for Javon's case, I mean, he's got to develop great understanding of what we're doing and what to say. And so he's been doing a really good job of just being attentive in meetings and gathering all the information and the things that he's going to be responsible for. Cause as a free safety in our defense, you know, we need him to right the wrong and really know all other individual spots and know how the 11 piece puzzle on defense works. So for him to be able to establish that he's got to know what to say 
in what situations and not just what to say, but also be loud and confident in his demeanor in order for him to take command that we need him to take as a free safety or any any position on the field. And then coach was also asked to follow up about some of the second year players and young players in this defensive secondary, like a Brandon Jones, like a Noah Igbenogany. And he was very detailed in there's not an expectation. They don't want to put expectations on these young guys, but he does believe they have put themselves in position to take advantage of potential opportunities by the way they treat their bodies, by the way they're in the classroom learning this stuff and really asking questions to the older guys. And you're going to hear from Charles Burks here in just one second, new Dolphins cornerbacks coach. And by the way, he and coach Alexander, my goodness, you have for my money, the best talent in the defensive secondary in the NFL on this roster. And I think you have the best coaching because both these guys, intelligent communicators and just so refreshing in the way they answer questions on these press conferences. And so we'll go ahead and now turn to Charles Burks, who I asked him a question about that, the veteran leadership of a Byron Jones, of an Xavier Howard, and how that benefits the young guys. And last year, you might recall, I talked plenty about this in the podcast, about Byron Jones being very particular with his pre-practice and pre-game workouts he's always getting extra work in with with his technique with his back pedal with the ball skills and he mentioned working with coach Burks who at last year was a positional assistant didn't have his own room on ball skills pre-practice every single practice and of course wound up with a career high two interceptions so I asked coach Burks about that and his face lit up when I asked him about Byron's work habits about what he does on the field but also the ripple effect that has on the younger guys in that secondary. When you have a a, a guy like Byron Jones, uh, who, who number one from a example standpoint, you know, it is a great example from everybody in the room. From you know his routine, his attention to detail, and he's definitely self motivated. Uh, for a guy from a ball skill standpoint, you know, uh, it was said that you know he didn't have the ball skills, this or that, and he just worked on it and worked on it and worked on it simply because he just wanted to improve. It's not that he couldn't do it. He just improved and he, you know, made it a focus. Uh, so he improved and he challenged the ball. And, uh, you know, I think guys saw that. I think guys saw that, you know, he was willing to be uncomfortable uh, to improve his game. And, you know, that is a ripple effect to everybody in the room, you know, uh, because from a guy like Byron Jones, who's had success in this league, who came in, worked and developed, you know, that really just makes all the younger guys want to, you know, go and raise a level of their game and, really following his lead. So a great, great response there about what that does for the rest of the roster and the rest of that young secondary. He followed up with a question that was similar to that uh, from a different reporter about just being comfortable with the uncomfortable because that's where you get growth from. So that was really cool to hear. He also talked about his personal background and how he came up from small colleges. And he said that Southern Oklahoma State was his USC, quote unquote, because that was a big college that he had gone to at that point in his career. He talked about Trill Williams, who was a force defender, a big run and hit type of guy at Syracuse when he was in that defense. He talked a little bit about his approach that people he, he treats players like people, which again, a theme here, all these coaches kind of have that same relationship building and, and, you know, person first over the player before anything else to get that relationship off the ground and going. So I thought that was really cool to hear. Again, go check out the entirety of his interview on YouTube because he was fantastic in that way. And we finish up here with, with coach Danny Crossman, who touched on Michael Pilardi and said that he just likes what he does in terms of when he was healthy at Carolina, thought he was a great punter who can give you both net and gross and hang time and all that stuff. He also touched on the idea of the Dolphins really prioritizing guys that can be four down players or guys that can contribute in special teams. He also touched on Jalen Waddell and saying that 
It's a great luxury to have a guy that can return punts back there and have multiple guys, and they feel they do have multiple guys. Obviously, with Jakeem Grant last year, Robert Foster has returned kicks, Javon Holland, and of course, Jalen Waddle. So that's going to wrap it up for your media availability on this Wednesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. It's been a long one. I appreciate you guys putting up with the sounds in the background. Caroline has been sick home this week, so... It has been a struggle for myself and her mother to get our work done at home, but we are pushing through, and I appreciate you guys hanging with us here on the podcast. Again, YouTube, Miami Dolphins YouTube channel. Check out all those press availabilities. We're going to have plenty more content on that page as well here as on Drive Time and on MiamiDolphins.com. But until next time, that will be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. We're going to have another mailbag here coming up quickly. If you want to ensure to get your question in the mailbag, put it in the reviews with a five-star rating. We'll read that off. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.